time for Valentine's. Valentine's Day. Love, chocolate, flowers. <laughs> Every kiss begins with K. Oh, no. <laughs> Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> That's perfect. That's definitely going at the beginning. <laughs> Greetings from the void. Welcome to another episode of Chronic Media Consumption. My name is Kelly. I'm still Michelle. Today we're going to be talking about romance novels, romance the genre, essentially, and why people need to stop shitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and possibly where the urge to crap all over it comes from, because mm. there is indeed some motivation, I think, misplaced but this doesn't come out of a vacuum yes comes out of the 70s <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking a little bit of just kind of my my take on romance and how that's changed because when i was younger there was a little bit of a taboo of just oh you don't read those those are for like older ladies for housewives they're the books that were always really easily accessible you know you walk down the aisle in the grocery store and there's a plethora of them for you to choose between yeah, they're um, your pulp, your dollar store pulp novels. Yeah, and they were not yeah. typically viewed as well-written works, and they were not respected, but they were easily accessible, and the first time I picked up a romance novel was on a family trip, and I was in an airport, and there was an anthology of Nora Roberts books, just like she does short stories of written by multiple authors, and they would be all compiled into one thing with one of her stories. And they were all kind of the same theme. And I didn't know they were romance novels. I just liked the name. And I grabbed it, read it on the plane, and was like, wow, this is really good. Super easy to read, consumed it, like, so fast and had no awareness that there was anything to be ashamed of or like <laughs> bothered by. And that preceded me having multiple years of just voraciously consuming as many of these very easy to read positive books for the next four years. Teachers would often, you know, recognize me by the top of my head. And then when they would ask, what am I reading? I would hold it up and they would give me a weird look. And I never really understood why. And uh, how old were you when you found this book? Uh, 11. Oh, okay. 11 or 12. Yeah. All right. But they weren't, they weren't those like smutty books, right? They were just like, there was romance and it was like a sweet story and it was interesting. Yeah, it's not your, it's not your bodice ripper. Yeah, they, I mean, I got into those later, but I didn't start with those. I know. There's a reason why they're a popular trope, but I, I enjoyed these, read these. I learned quite a lot from them because some of them are historical fiction. And I will say some of these authors taught me so much about different time periods because for, a trashy little romance novel, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be well-researched, but they were pretty impressively researched. I mean, uh, if those authors are anything like me, like, I want accuracy in my stuff. I fear the day that somebody comes up and holds up my book in front of my face and says, you know that thing you described on page 36? Yeah, that's not real. That doesn't happen. <laughs> At which point I'd be like, I've lost the will to live. So. Oh, just melt into a pile of shame goo. Yes. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Blurble. I am Kelly. Blurble. I am shame. 
but with these romance novels, like I would, I would share them with my friends. We would chat about them. We would, you know, giggle over the parts that were a little more salacious. None of them were at all detailed. Like looking back now, I'm just kind of like, well, that's, oh, you sweet summer child. Uh, But I would read those and they were a window into romance because what you see in movies was always very dysfunctional. You know, and we were like, this is this is normal. And then I have my my parents who are one of the most supportive, healthy, aspirational relationships I've ever seen. They never raise their voices. They talk things through with each other. They're true partners in life. And so I would see this destructive, terrible circumstances that were romanticized in media. And then my parents and they were like two opposite extremes. And these books were like pleasantly filling in the gaps because I was very confused on what this whole crush situation was. I didn't understand why people were making really stupid decisions for bodily urges. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Just, you know, tell yourself no. And they're like, well, I can't go without. And I'm like, why not? That doesn't make sense you to have- me. No willpower. How how have you lived this long? <laughs> See, zero I, willpower. I used to have that little like I'm superior. I have more willpower than you think. Then I started realizing that it may be because I'm demisexual. <laughs> uh, yeah, that might be it. <laughs> so switches don't even turn on. I was like, it's not that I'm opting out. It's that there is nothing on the load screen. <laughs> <laughs> There so, is no prompt to select. <laughs> per, exactly. So I yeah. was I was just kind of living vicariously through these stories and I loved the worlds. You know like the people who say they read Playboy for the for the stories articles, for, yeah. for the articles. I was like that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like this is great. These are really cool. I like these stories and the character development. And as soon as people knew what I was reading, as soon as they did, their immediate response, men, women, mostly women, was, well, don't get your expectations up too high. You'll be disappointed when you're actually in a relationship. Ladies, are you okay? And um, why? No, we're not. Are... <laughs> we're not okay. <laughs> why, are you, why are you telling anyone that? Why are you saying lower your expectations? You should have sky high expectations. You should look for those things. Whatever you're looking for in a partner, don't settle. I think we'd have way happier situations. Like, yeah, there'd be a lot more single people, but I think that's fine too. There are definitely things where you can 100% compromise because a relationship is a two-way street. It is a negotiation. It is a partnership. So yes, there are things that you should be willing to let go of that are not fundamental to your existence. (laughs) That's the important part. I'm not asking for a seven-foot-tall blue alien man. Like I'm just asking for a person who will respect me as a human. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, bear fucking minimum <laughs> yes why is that lowering those expectations oh uh, well the, the bar those... is on the ground it's underground it's in hell oh I, no that explains I mean, a lot when when they're sitting there i'm like well the men that are in these stories are unrealistic and i was like well then that's a societal issue that we need to correct it really <laughs> is in in college i did have a a stint of where it was like oh insert this gave me unrealistic 
expectations in men or in my romance life or anything like that. And a lot of the times people would link back to Disney or I would link back to my crushes of 80s movies, Mm, you know, like mm -hmm. John Cusack gave me unrealistic expectations of men. And then, you know, we go back and look at those movies and I'm like, oh, no, no, mm -hmm. that's, mm, I mean, that's, that's bad. Let's, let's not, I, I definitely don't want a John Bender. That's 100% sure. Those movies gave men unrealistic expectations of what romance and romantic gestures were and what would be expected. I've seen many a man who makes these over-the-top gestures with no concept of how that will be perceived by his paramour. These women who either are not in a relationship and the guy is trying to make this over the top thing to like show his interest or they are in a relationship, but the partner clearly doesn't understand his woman at all. Let's talk about the two big ones that come to mind. We've got the graduate and then you've got say anything. Mm -hmm. So the graduate with Dustin Hoffman, this big thing of him chasing after her on the bus which totally stopped her mm -mm. she is clearly uncomfortable Mm -hmm. you know and then at the end of the movie where you see him charging into the church and banging on the glass and yelling her name when she is literally at the altar getting married and she turns back and says, oh, Ben, and she runs out on her wedding like, to no. be with him. Like, when this relationship was doomed from the start because he was having an affair with her mom. Like, this is not how this relationship would have gone. Secondly, say anything. You've got this guy who is solely obsessed with his purpose in life being to be with this woman. Like, he has specifically said, that's one of the lines in the movie, is, I just, I want to be with your daughter. That's what he says to her father. It's like, anything else comes with it, but I want to be with your daughter. And while that is a nice thought, you got to have some goals in life there, son. But then you've got that, that famous scene where he's standing way out in the middle of nowhere, holding up the boombox outside her, her house. Yeah, playing the song that they first made love to while she's desperately trying to sleep. And it's it's this big, grand gesture that is so freaking empty. It is. That's exactly that. That is such a perfect breakdown because those gestures are empty. They aren't Mm -hmm. supporting their partner. They aren't doing anything that is specific to them. It's it's very egocentric, self-focused. In both cases. In both cases, the woman has rejected the man. She has specifically stated, no, I don't want to be with you. I'm ending our relationship. And in both cases, the men do not respect that decision mm-hmm. and continue and they, to invade their and they space. Don't, they don't ex- discuss it as adults. They don't talk about no. their future and their plans. They go and sulk and then come back with this grandiose idea of oh I'm going to win her back with this random thing. All the reasons why they didn't want to be with you are still there. You didn't change. You didn't self-analyze. You didn't improve. You didn't overcome any of those issues. They're still there. And to be fair in Say Anything her breaking up with him was not really anything to do with him. It was to do with the pressures from her father, the pressures from outside. She was definitely 
pressured to decide to break up with him because, well, if my father, the man that I trust the most in life, thinks that he is the wrong guy for me, then I have to assume that he is correct. So I understand why that resolves in the way that it does. But the graduate? Honey, you, oh no. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. So that's, I think, why it's so refreshing to go into these fluffy romance stories. The, The thing that's so intriguing for me is the disconnect from the people who consume this media and the people who have heard of others who consume this media. <laughs> they're, they're not, they're, they're often making fun of somebody. They're, they're saying, Oh, you're a crazy cat lady. Oh, this is just like a bodice ripper, silly thing. I, I saw that it's unrealistic. Oh, are you fantasizing about Fabio? And it's like, first of all, no to all of those. But second of all, like, why is this so heavily mocked and gatekept? There was there's a a tweet that I I sent I think I sent this to you before. It's a I can't stop thinking about how women are ridiculed for enjoying romance novels and movies where actual good things happen to women and are told that they should enjoy other genres where women are often not mentioned or killed to serve as a plot device for the male lead. Killed or abused. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like their trauma is served as a springboard for some macho man rather than as a actual experience that many, many women have gone through. And it is, it is overly played. It is played for laughs. It is played for the drama and it is graphically depicted that, 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 what was that movie that just came out that had Matt Damon with a really bad haircut. Talking the last, the... the last duel, and it's all going around this brutal rape of the main female character, or basically the only female character really who's like in there, and it's displayed multiple times from different perspectives. And I was like, there was no reason for you to do that except the titillation, and that is not like there's a reason why it didn't do well. People are like, oh, it's the the millennials in this modern era and the pandemic. Rah, rah, rah. No, you did a movie that may well have been a good movie and then chose to put rape scenes in it graphically. So it's it's literally the my sexual assault is not your plot growth. Exactly. And the issue with that movie and the issue that a lot of people are having right now about the Hulu series, Pam and Tommy, is that like they're depicting these things in extremely graphic ways without considering how that affects the female being depicted. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the the big thing about the Pam and Tommy thing right now that like I just recently saw on a TikTok by Jay Stubes, but she she specifically called out that the show is based off of an article written by a woman. Hulu bought the rights and put two men in charge of show running and writing and directing this this story. And they continue to say over and over when they're interviewed that we want Pam, we want Pamela Anderson to know that we're doing this with the utmost respect and that we're trying to portray 
this as the struggle that she had with being exposed in such a way. Pamela Anderson is not even involved in this project at Mm -hmm. all. Which I actually was surprised about because I thought that she was involved. And then when I heard she wasn't, I was like, oof, okay. Yeah, that's rough. And that that is really unfortunate. And apparently, I have not watched this, but apparently the scenes that are, are discussed in said show are displayed quite graphically as well. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because the whole relationship between Pam and Tommy was rumored to be highly abusive. And I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like, number one, having your sex tape be exposed in such a way at such a time, you know, when you're already suffering through all of that, you're being publicly shamed and and just raked over the coals. Yep. And then 30 years later, it's going to happen again, but in an artistic format. Yeah. And That's it's, garbage. it's again serving their, they want to have this be, you know, titillating. It's not actually, as you said, it's not it's not their art, but they're they're treating it like it's somehow it's exploitative. It is. It's very exploitative, yeah. and it's and that's, disappointing that yeah. we're in twenty twenty two and still seeing this. And it's it's frustrating because there's a there was apparently a, a documentary film recently in the Sundance Film Festival, I did not get to see, but I heard about it. I think you were the one that sent it to me. Mm. That is called Brainwashed Sex Camera Power. Yep. And it is by a filmmaker, Nina Menkes. Menkes. I may be pronouncing that wrong and I apologize. M-E-N-K-E-S. And this, I really want to see this because it sounds fascinating. I'm going to read the storyline directly from IMDb. It is about the politics of cinematic shot design and how this meta level of filmmaking affects and intersects with the twin epidemics of sexual abuse and assault and employment discrimination against women, especially in the film industry. Brainwash contains over a hundred clips from A-list movies from 1896 to the present, as well as interviews with important women professionals and their experiences. This, this, I I want to see this so bad because I want to to know why so many of these movies number 1 are being made in the way that they are. Two, why I as a a film viewer in the past few years have really started to feel uncomfortable yeah. with a lot of these A-list movies and TV shows that are coming out. Like I know what's funny is like advertised right next to this storyline on imdb is the hbo original euphoria that a lot of people are having trouble with right now (laughs) yeah for very very good reasons but that that's i really want to see it and i think that's going to be such a powerful documentary and the person who talked about it on tiktok says that they want every person under the age of 35 under the age of 30 whatever to who has ever misused the phrase male gaze to be sat down and forced to watch this movie because this is how you learn the difference between male gaze and female gaze i i'm fascinated by that and i mean it's so interesting how this all ties in because our societal perception of what is the norm uh what what they're going for is 
really skewed by the creators of the media that we consume and which are predominantly male they are predominantly male and some of them are living out power fantasies who's the the director who always kills his ex-girlfriend jessica every every show he's ever in i think it's eric kripke oh my god what (laughs) i don't know this (sighs) let me see i know that we got the tarantino obsession with feet yep Yeah, Eric Kripke, he always keeps killing Jessica's in every single one of his things because, to be honest, it's inspired by a girl from his youth who broke his heart. How disgusting is that? Like, okay. Incel behavior. It it is. And and it's it's frustrating. And it's getting beyond the point. Like, that's that's terrifying because that's the thing where like women are afraid of saying no to things because it might cause a reaction that a negative reaction. And they're like, oh, well, you should have let him down. Let him down easy. How do you let someone down easy who's holding a gun to your head? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't really understand what your expectations are here. Well, and, then, and then you have the people who don't say, let them down. It's like, well, why didn't you go out on a date? Just say yes. Just, just go. You don't know. He's Maybe nice he's guy. a good guy. And it's like, mm. I'm sorry. Have you not met this person? I've witnessed what this person is like, and I don't want to be with them. They should respect my decision as a but human freaking being. I agree. But even if they are a nice guy, that doesn't matter. It's like yeah. when somebody is doing, like, you're at work with someone and they 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 fuck up. They do something stupid, whatever. And and they're just like, oh man, they're in trouble. But they're such a nice guy. That has no impact. Their niceness as a person has no impact on the actions they took that caused things to go wrong. And they should still face consequences. You shouldn't minimize consequences because someone is like nice, even if they're genuinely nice. And niceness is not something that of affords you a prize this could also this could also easily translate over to the but he has potential we're not going to ruin the boy's reputation who has so much potential yeah you know we could we could talk about that but i think that's a whole nother thing it is i know i want another thing and i I just i I want to tie in my comment about the creators of being predominantly male (laughs) romance novels have been predominantly female created for yes. a long period of time, which is why they are consumed so easily and readily by women. And it is so comically terrible when it is written by a man. There is a whole hashtag. There's a subreddit. There's a, a whole thing on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Men writing women. I they are comically awful. Bouncing every time. Boobily. Every time a man describes a woman's breasts emoting. <laughs> oh, God. How have you? I'm sorry, sir. Have you ever seen a breast smile at you? Because uh, they don't have lips. <laughs> oh, maybe his do. I don't know. That's 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 not human. <sighs> or it's a strange mutation that we need to discuss. Yeah, but like, like the things I mean, I, I can quote. So I, during my research for writing my own novels, because I am an erotic romance author at this point, in my research to try and see like what people were consuming on Amazon, I downloaded one of the free books that was available. I mean, of course, shame on me for, for going for a free one rather than actually paying the money, because I think I got what I paid for. But the author's name was clearly feminine 
but knowing that people can post whatever they want under whatever name they want after reading the first 10 pages of this my brain was shouting at me that this was written by a guy because it made no sense it's not to mention that they described this person this person's face as the color of a fish pond i don't know what the fuck you mean sir oh but what as kind we, of fish uh, pond is it a clean fish pond do they do I, they look green is it algae i algae? don't know I, is it green is it murky is it like covered in lily pads what are we talking about here like the, i'm concerned for this person sir but this line this pr- one sentence made me go i don't think i'm going to enjoy the rest of this book emma felt overridden with amazed lust finally coming to face with him as every nut and bolt in her pussy tightened with joyous acknowledgement of this object of her fantasies. <laughs> nut and bolt! <laughs> Is she an automaton? <laughs> Is she? Because I've read some stories that have that. It's not! No, this person, these people in this, it was not a sci-fi, it was not a fantasy, it was literally a straight-up current modern urban romance right is modern day set in a city like american i there are no mechanical workings in my poussoir sir i i just (laughs) nothing but that gives me visuals of like interlocking parts not being successful with like scraping on sensitive areas (laughs) yeah i don't want to think about no, 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 I don't, I don't no, 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 no. I don't even want to say the words. <laughs> they're just, they're terrible. That's like, oh, wow. Like okay. this, this next line having to do with, um, cause I'm going to try and, and shorten it up cause I don't want to read the whole freaking thing, but it's talking about the effect that this guy has on her. Right. It says, pleased at the fact that his simple touch had her pulse racing, especially the one beating in her pussy. I don't know about other women, but I don't think the word pussy as often as it was said in this novel. No, I mean... I don't. I don't. The vast majority of any time, literally any time I think about the word pussy, I think of the pussy hats. Oh. That's, (laughs) like, as as soon as you're just like, wow, this is so, like, sexually charged, and then, oh, she's wearing a giant pussy hat. Cool. That's funny because I think of Josie and the Pussycats. Ah, see, I love, I love that movie. It's so bad, but I love it. It's so terrible Um, and still so fabulous. But it's hammy intentionally. Yeah, so that's, that's a great example of poorly written works and you know what men we deal writing with. women and even if it was a lady who wrote it because there i have read some shitty stuff written by women there that are they, let's they, talk about 50 shades oh god that i mean <laughs> that's a slightly different thing like if anyone starts trying to tell me that that's romance and that fits in this category i'm going to like lose my shit but that is a fan fiction written of twilight which was not well written when it was created it just had a lot of words and had you know people reading it on i think it was on wattpad i don't know i never got into wattpad because i don't like don't like the format i am an ao3 girl so get into that but it was transferred and turned into this and it is an ignorant layman's interpretation of what BDSM is. It is. I, I would agree. I think it was something that, like, when I was writing fan fiction and stuff as as a youth in college and stuff, like, I 
I wrote sex scenes. I didn't post any of them, but I wrote sex scenes, but I was completely inexperienced Mm -hmm. at the time. So I didn't know what was realistic. I didn't know what the feelings actually were. All I knew was from what I had seen in porn on Cemex. And in various films, like that's that's literally and and what I'd read. I feel like our literature gets more and more like a weird game of telephone as we get further and mm. further away from the original source and reality, because we start getting these like shorthands and you know connotations to various things that are easier to write out than having to create something from scratch so everyone just kind of keeps using the same terminology the same description follow the same formula the same formula the same pattern 50 shades in particular like it ex- was explosively popular partially because of marketing partially because it was like one of the acceptable edgy stories there are way better written way better researched BDSM stories that have healthy representations of kink, mm. negotiation, partnership that are way better. This is one of the most toxic stories I've ever read. And it is not even like the source material and the content itself is, is shitty, but the writing is so bad. I've it's, read, I haven't read it, but I've read the, I've read that one woman's review. Yeah, after she, yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh. read all of them and then I think she watched them. That review is, oh my God, is chef's kiss. It is so It deserves an award. It deserves an award. I. She says, I think she counts like, how many times oh, the they, number of times they said that, that what of whatever her name is says, oh my. Yeah. In it. Like, is she George Takei? oh my and that's literally now if i ever read it as soon as i saw the words oh my come across the page that's instantly she would become george takei and that's how i would read it from then on christian gray is having sex with george takei so if if anybody wants to enjoy this it is katrina pasik Loomsden's review of Fifty Shades of Grey. She read all of them. I only read part of the first one and then I was like, I can't. But she did a fantastic, fantastic job breaking this down. She is, she collected all the times they said, oh my, all the times they said uh, murmur or murmurs. Inner goddess. That was a great oh, one. God. Inner That's goddess so- is in there. <laughs> uh, so many, many times. And just, the amount of times they said whoa and all that like oh just See, i i hear oh my and that's george takei and whoa and it's keanu reeves <laughs> oh my gosh that i if it were well written i'd be like i mean maybe we'll take a look we'll see what the <laughs> george takei keanu reeves <laughs> if somebody if somebody hasn't done this on youtube i would really love to see it be done to have like passages being read from the books where every time oh my is said it's george takei <laughs> saying it and every time somebody says whoa it's keanu reeves let's make it happen folks, because that would be the top video on youtube for a while because i would be the one watching it over and over and over, and over again. oh my god so we, we've talked about some some media we talked about bad romance do you do you have any and, other and good let's, romance? Let's do one. Let's do one oh. last bad romance. Okay, do one more bad one. When I was in high school, just around senior year, my mother bestowed upon me a book 
called Shauna. You were knighted. You were knighted by this book. She, God, I hope not. Um, (laughs) my mother told me, she's like, you'll enjoy the mystery. The mystery is very good. And I looked at the book and it has your traditional romance novel cover on it with the woman whose clothes are just barely hanging on. And this guy who's practically shirtless bending her in such a way that looks almost painful you know like it's clearly a romance novel and I looked at my mom and I was like we don't we're we're almost a waspy family we don't talk about sex and stuff and you are giving me this saying that I am going to enjoy the mystery what are you really playing at you know that was her way of having the talk with you I mean no (laughs) Shauna was yes there's an interesting mystery in it from what i can recall but like this was my first romance novel and i was like 16 17 so i thought that this is what things were like this is how romantic things could be i i started to try and reread it a couple years ago because i was like you know what i have such fond memories of reading this book why don't i take a look at it again and kind of relive those moments because I want, I kind of want something to read, but I don't want to go re-meet your heroes, man. (laughs) Oh God, right? (laughs) I started to reread it and instantly my brain is like, this is Taming of the Shrew vibes. Uh Uh-huh. It's a historical fiction. So the woman, of course, is, is trying desperately to be respected by her father. You know, she doesn't want to have to marry in order to inherit the house. And so she's trying to do everything that she can to be respected as an individual human, you know, in her own right, blah, blah, blah. And of course, what happens is she ends up being rescued by this dude. And it was just, I, oh, as I I was reading, I'm sorry, I'm so freaking frustrated. (laughs) These scenes are playing back in my head. There are moments in like their first couple encounters because there's this whole thing of like oh we're going to get married on paper so you will be my husband and i will make sure you know your name is redeemed blah 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 but then when i go home i'm going to tell them that you mysteriously died you know perfect and he's like okay i'll do it but only if you give me my wedding night and she agrees intending to trick him out of it to have him taken away before he can have his you know release and unfortunately he 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 understands that she's wily and she's conniving and she's trying to get out of it so he almost forces himself just after they're married on paper like he he starts to assault her and it's written in such a way that she's like, oh, no, you brash, uncouth gentleman. Blah, blah. Ooh, that feels so nice. Like, it's uh. it's comic and awful. It's, ugh. And continuing on, his, like, pursuit of her is really frustrating. And she relents. I, I, oh, God, I didn't get through the book the second time reading it. I just didn't. Yeah. Because it was making me angry. <laughs> yeah. That that's one of the the interesting facts about this genre is there are all of the preconceived notions and interesting fantasies of the author 
or what the author knows would be a very successful niche being put into things. There, There's some crazy niches in there in the fantasy world. You know, Amish vampires and... What? Yeah, that's a thing. Amish vampires. God. And, you know, fantasy bodice ripper ladies or or feminist ladies being put in their place. There, there's no, always God. something that's going to appeal to some audience. And if people are going to buy it, authors are going to write it. So I wouldn't say that, like, universally the content is great but it is interesting to dissect and it's usually a very interesting commentary the danger comes when there is not enough context for somebody coming in to understand that this is not healthy or reality which is part of where like somebody who is inexperienced and you know 13 years old reading this you maybe need to have some conversations with people there are some really bad internalized misogynistic tropes yes that happen in a lot of these books too um a lot of them that were written in the 70s have them yeah and they became kind of the basis and people started copying that formula yeah i mean danielle Steele, from what i understand is a pen name used by hundreds of different authors and they're specifically told to follow a formula it is interesting when when you look at that because that doesn't devalue the actual introspection and analysis that goes into these stories and there is a place for this being you know the misogynistic views as well that that's Mm -hmm. presenting it in the story often is going to allow for greater analysis digging into it humanizing circumstances it's very very interesting and there's a reason why it's so uh such a big industry i mean it's billions of dollars a year i think the one third of all mass market fiction books sold are romance novels market fiction yeah and there's not even talking about yeah there's not even talking about the little stuff yeah 16 percent of author uh, of readers romance readers are men so it's not just women i will say it's predominantly women but it's not just women and then speaking of the not mass market the ebooks the what what is that thing on amazon with the kindle unlimited oh kindle unlimited yeah yeah, the amount of romance novels on kindle unlimited that people are able to just like consume i i see it on book talk when you know something starts getting big and within a weekend people have read 30 books because they're so easy for you to make your way through but it's it's a huge industry huge market and people are trying to capitalize it as much as you can and they're starting to branch into other areas like uh audiobooks romance novel readers <laughs> there's there's that, that thing yeah, that, that thing that you sent me that was literally they're hiring voice actors yep. to read for specifically short erotica. And they I I read some of the audition scripts that they're like, if you want, you know, pick from one of these three scripts. I read them and I was like, oh, it specifically says that you have to make pleasant noises. Yep. You have to make make climax noises and i was like oh i think that's where i'm out 
I am way too embarrassed. <laughs> oh, but it's it's very interesting because for me, that doesn't do it for me. I don't if I am. I, we're not going to go into crazy detail on this, but when whenever there's something that's audio, I'm just like, nope, I'm going to mute this. <laughs> so I don't do well with those types of things anyway. But there it, are some. It has a market. Though, that get me. I mean, I know there's a reason, there's a reason why I keep sending you Tom Hiddleston TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) I will blush from head to toe as he's reading it, but oh, (laughs) I will not stop listening. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll be like, oh, I recognize where this is going. Forward to Kelly. Next. (laughs) Uh, There's a reason why I've watched Crimson Peak. Yes. A couple of times. It's just an interesting thing that this industry has grown relatively organically. This wasn't something that people like predicted and were like, yes, romance novels are going to be the big thing. It's just like romance novels have grown in spite of people. (laughs) In spite of the stigma attached to them. Yes. And sometimes they've actually been more successful because of stigma. But like the the Bridgerton series that's now on Netflix and they're making more and more. Those are Julia Quinn romance novels. The Bridgerton family. I was obsessed with those. I read all of them. I love them. I did pronounce Penelope as Penelope. But I (laughs) learned a lot. And seeing it brought to life was so surreal. Because when when they first advertised it and they started talking about them, they showed the house with the wisteria and then they said the this family, the Bridgertons. And I was like, wait, hold on. Pump the brakes. Romance novel Bridgertons? Julia Quinn Bridgertons? And I had to send it to one of my other friends who she and I used to share romance novels and talk about these things. And we both together wrote a historical romance novel of a lady traveling back in time while on vacation meeting a scottish laird being swept away off her feet never went anywhere with it but we've we've done that and now we're like this is real like where do we live what is reality it's becoming so mainstream like romance novels were something that wasn't really talked about they they were in a lending library or they were in a lady's sewing bag you know like it wasn't the topic of a of a highbrow media discussion of any kind there were there were book clubs and everything but they were attended by women who wanted to get drunk and talk about like you know oh he's so dreamy you know and now there's actual book clubs where they're actually discussing and uh, analyzing the story itself and why it moved them in such a way and you know like it's it's become a big deal it's pretty cool yeah I, i i i grew up on a lot of things. I mean, Ever After is the chick flick. Oh, I love my Ever dreams. After. I love Ever After. <laughs> it's so, so good. It is. It is everything. The soundtrack to that is beautiful. The costumes are fantastic. I da love Vinci the story. Is a I know he's so cute. It's like oh, I will go down in history as the man who opened a door. Oh, fuck. There was it. a bee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But like. I knew a few guys when I was in high school that would be like, if you, you watch these chick flicks, ugh. and I'm like, chick flicks, they're fine. I enjoy them. Like, cause they, they usually, they're 
they're fun. They almost always have a happy ending. They don't have you know? unnecessary trauma. Oh, God, right? They, and... they usually don't have anything that would be flagged on does the dog die. Oh, so... that's very, very true. Like, it, we talk about one of my one of my absolute favorite chick flicks is Penelope. Mm-hmm. And it is, you got Christina Ricci, you got Reese Witherspoon, James McAvoy. You got, like, a fantastic <laughs> cast. And the story itself is perfect, especially for that era, that time that it was being released. It was a romance, but it was more about a self-romance. It was about Mm -hmm. her accepting herself as she was to break this curse. Spoilers, anybody. Sorry. But, like, that was the whole idea of it is to, to accept yourself and then good things will come after. And the romance that was between Penelope and James McAvoy's character this entire time was secondary. But you still have that that wonderful romance at the end. Like, it does all come full circle. And they do get together and live happily ever after. But it was, it was so much more than that. And it was done in such a one fun little modern fairy tale kind of way. I... So cute. I do love that one and I agree that it was done in a very good way of self-acceptance and the the romance and everything it it didn't hurt. That's one of the things where like a lot of these were like oh it's a rom-com and I was like I don't like traditional rom-coms because mm-hmm. it's usually the same type of female character which they're they're wonderful lovely women but they're basically copy pasting versions of themselves they're just like gorgeous statuesque beautiful woman who's successful da, da, da. and then like the guy is whatever he is so it could be a you know attractive guy it could be somebody who is traditionally viewed as less attractive i typically actually go for those guys more than the you know rip dudes but the ones who are in there played for laughs and they're like oh he has no redeeming qualities except he's funny what is that one the they get married in vegas it happened it happened in vegas or whatever that one with a couple of different ones i mean there's fools rush in there's no, it's the... um there's leaving las vegas but that is not it is that a, it's, it's not it's, it's, movie, is it? no it's it's it happens in vegas is like they have the cameron diaz and nash and kutcher one and then there's the the one with Seth Seth Rogen, I think. Knocked up. Yeah, like those ones. I'm just like I, I don't understand. Well, you have the rom coms like the Nancy Myers and and Nora Ephron rom coms, and then you have the Judd Apatow uh, yeah. rom coms, which are a completely different species. Let's be fair. Yeah, and they don't they don't feel the same because they they don't have no. like I would say. The Holiday is one of my absolute favorite romance rom-com type movies. And there is, you know, Kate Winslet and Jack Black, but neither of them are played for laughs. They're both people who are living their lives and having their whole situation go down. It's not the self-deprecating, like, 
why are you yeah. with him kind of thing. You com- you compare that to literally any of the rom-coms of the late 90s. We're talking Sandra Bullock, we're talking Julia Roberts. Those like there were like 30 of them, I want to say in the 5 5 year span that just yeah. this were just those two. And like those movies the woman is always like super successful but for some reason extremely klutzy. They're yeah. always prat falling. Like why? Yeah. They're walking into doors. Like what? How's I don't. Because I understand that you wanted to put in a flaw, but that is not the flaw that is always in these type of people. It's because in a lot of times Hollywood doesn't understand how to write women as people. They are a prop, and so they don't have that, and it's so infuriating. I do not watch media like that. It's like that, and there, there's a reason. Why shippers, people who, you know, mix relationships in shows and and books and movies, whatever, often will end up going with a gay ship. It's not because they're just like, oh, fetishizing, you know, man loving man. It's that the females are cardboard cutouts and they have no depth and no interest in being written. There's uh, Supernatural is one of the examples I, I give where. Um, Castiel and Dean are you know layered interesting characters but so many of the female characters get shoved in a single episode or they'll have them on a little arc but they don't have any depth. Rowena is one of the few female characters that gets full development very interesting backstory interesting motivations full character arc and has all this other potential but she's also like set as being older than all of them so of course she's not of romantic interest but the other ones that are thrown in there are like killed brutally to carry along the guy's story or they're forgotten i know charlie or they're completely forgotten and people are like oh well there's they're not together in the in the show the show is written by cowards so of course they're not in the show but there's so much that you can pull in so much content that can make this a valid pairing and that happens with so much other media where you're watching this and you're like this is an interesting character i wonder what they do with her oh she's dead awesome thanks she has been fridged she has been fridged exactly so there's a reason like we look for connection we look for the partnership there's romantic connection and there is just platonic connection we look for all of those things and we try to find those interconnectivities and we're not pulling stuff out of thin air but sometimes there's nothing to pull from 911 with i am completely blanking on names at the moment you're not talking Lone Star. You're talking Lone regular. St- regular one. Yeah, I'm. I'm talking about yep. Evan, Evan and Eddie. A lot of people see more of a connection between Evan and Eddie than they do with Eddie and whatever his girlfriend's name is. And they're like, they have more of a connection. And they're like, oh well, they're like brothers. And I was like, I mean, you see how they react to other male people in the show. There's a distinct difference. Because- there is. There is a respect. There is a common, like, an emotional and mental intimacy that the two of them have with each other because of their friendship Mm -hmm. that they don't have with a lot of the other men on the show, that a lot of the women don't have with anybody. Exactly. Yes. And then you see, like, 
the reactions of, of different people. You're just like, why, why are you in a relationship? Why is this? Oh, it's because you're default heterosexual. I forgot we live in this society. <laughs> like that's, that's where some of these, like the, that default expectation and that this is like a off topic a little bit, but I'm just like thinking romance in general, we're looking for those connections and we find those in romance novels even if they're a super shallow romance novel that doesn't go into detail and it's literally just the same cookie cutter storyline that is like repurposed and you you change the city and the hair color and eye color and names and then you're it's same story all over again. They they come back out, they have more connection, more buildup. Because I feel like the authors of those have to justify the relationship. For us to be like, okay, that makes sense. But they don't justify relationships in a lot of other media where they're just like, oh, by the way, these two happen to be in a room together and yeah, they're, they're in love. They have no chemistry. Why, why do I think that that's, why are they supposed to be in love? Give, give me something. Yes. Romance novels being often the same kind of thing over and over very recently have started branching out to more accurately represent demographics that consume them. We're finally starting to see plus size female characters. We're, we're starting to see people who aren't this like flawless, perfect body with supple nubile legs and da 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 da. Like all, all the descriptions that, often end up being rather infantilizing and feed into this whole pedophilic rape culture that we happen to kind of be in. But we're, we're starting to see way more of that because people are being more vocal about this. They're getting more feedback. Romance authors are actually like directly engaging with their reader base outside of just conventions. I mean, there's... Plus, mm-hmm. the ability that Amazon has done and Amazon being a problematic corporation to begin with but amazon kindle direct publishing kdp that allows authors that would not get traditionally published otherwise have the ability to self-publish which opens up literally all of the doors so that anybody can publish anything that they want and potentially reach the market that they want to fill Mm -hmm. and that's fantastic that's one of the things that, that i have been doing with my novels but like it's you starting to see if you start looking through just the amazon romance novels or the amazon eroticas even you have a lot of the omegaverse stuff that you know is really big right now it is not my cup of tea sure but that's really popular because it's what a lot of people have been wanting and Which i'm really I, funny because when i started reading that stuff like over a decade ago it was very few items that were available and a few of the dominating it's it's all over the place i wouldn't say it's all necessarily good and one of the Mm. things that's bothering me about now that it's becoming popular is people who are not fully aware of the various intricacies that go into this are taking the shortcut of the they're just over what copy pasting it's copy paste but they're they're taking the environment that we already know of our normal current template of humans and they're just re like they're they're expanding that a little bit 
in putting it into this Omegaverse thing, which again, this is a totally different topic. We can go into crazy stuff, but the, but the thing that's so interesting about Omegaverse is that it is a subversion of those tropes. It is an analysis. It is a lens put on our standardized expectations of gender roles, of societal expectations, of uh, all these different things. There's some amazing analyses that were done through these stories that I've read that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. And it makes me think about humans and men, women, trans, whatever, in all these different areas and how we have all these assumptions and pressures put upon them externally and then internally upheld. And then I read these stories and I'm just like, seriously, you're continuing to uphold this without questioning it? Really? Just because it's a little titillating. <laughs> people people trying to make money off of a thing without having any actual knowledge of the source material. Yes. It's very yeah. frustrating, especially for someone who has been seeing the discourse and then they just come in last minute and are like, give me money. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that's one of the things that I've been trying to stray with. Like, I'm I'm not trying to follow a formula. Yes, I found this thing that gives me like some of the main beats that mm -hmm. you want to hit when you're writing something as I have been writing but in the same sense like I want to write something that I am proud of I am not somebody who likes to churn things out at the hope of somebody give me money that, um, that's exactly the thing that I thought was really interesting when talking to you about this is like you want to take pride in yeah. what you're creating and that's not like other people aren't looking at it that way. They're really looking at it just like a quick buck. The side hustle. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. the side hustle mentality. Like just get it out there. And I'm not a just get it out there person. I, I do. I want to take pride in my stuff. I want to like the story that you and I have been going over right now. The one that I have been feverishly writing for the past <laughs> week, which is already like far outstripped what I originally thought it was going to be. I'm getting close to 16,000 words. That's usually based on the other books that I have already published. It's about half of the, the word count for those, those shorts. Ooh. And I have not gotten to the meat of the, the story yet. Like I literally, I may be in the prologue still chapter six i'm still kind of like setting the groundwork <laughs> for this great great story and i'm like oh this is actually going to be a big novel ah <laughs> but i'm i'm i love when it's organic and it just kind of flows out of me and then i look at back on it and i go this actually went really well <laughs> but yeah i want to be able to look back at the stuff that i have written and have a moment of like yeah, I'm glad that I put that out there. I'm glad that people enjoyed it. And I don't regret putting it out there. And I want the stories that I put out now to allow my growth to look back on it and still be proud of it. Yeah. I think that's a really what? relevant thing when it comes to romance is that people will pick up a book and I've, I've seen these like frat guys who get one of those romance novels and then they read it out loud and like all laugh about it and 
I will say reading a romance novel out loud sometimes does not things hit, get lost. It, it does not hit the way it does when you're reading it and you're like, whoo, I'm in the moment, like reading this, like you read out loud, you're just like, oh, mm, mm, mm. nope. That's the amount of TikToks that we have seen where the a woman has given her husband her novels, her romance novels <laughs> to read and is just videoing his, his reactions. reactions. And it may have just been one that she has in her library, not one that she's personally written. And then she, there are other people that have like done that with their husbands and said, like, here, this is the one that I've just published. You read it and tell me what you think. And seeing them reading it, and they have like a pillow strategically placed over their lap. Yep. And I'm like, aha, so it's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is very funny because like they'll, they'll, be so adamantly against it and just in general societal habits of diminishing things that are targeted towards women or that women like they just immediately dismiss it and be like meh it's probably not that great and we also have the the difference between what men believe is sexually good and women believe is sexually good and and it's the whole men's overt expectation and the women's subverted expectations and that's a good point as well just speaking about expectations and back to when people were telling me like don't expect these things don't have these standards i'm not sitting here thinking like i'm going to fall through a portal and land in a fantasy world with handsome people but i am expecting we're not We're not an outlander. We're not an outlander. We're not traveling through time. We're not magically tripping and like a millionaire is going to decide that we're the perfect woman for him. Like that's not what we're expecting. When we're reading these things, we're fully aware that those circumstances, those meet cutes, those situations wouldn't happen. What is still likely and what I think gets smothered as much as a fantasy about a leprechaun king is that you could have a respectful relationship that is sexually fulfilling, emotionally supportive, that you can have a partner who listens to you and takes time to be on the same wavelength as you. Yeah, that you have absolutely no doubt in your mind that you will be together forever and there's nothing that can, like, break your relationship up. Yeah, because we we tell women all the time, if your standards are built by a romance novel, lower them because you'll never find a man like that. That's not true. There are many, (laughs) there are many, many men out there who are thoughtful interesting people who are going to listen to a partner and treat them respectfully and the more we leave our expectations up above the ground the more people are going to start rising to those it it's such a silly thing but it's like supply and demand right if you start demanding that there's this level of person there's going to be a increase in supply they'll yeah. they'll rise to that otherwise they'll just move away it's it's like when you're buying a car and the people come in at the last minute are like oh by the way this is now this expensive and you're like that's not what we agreed upon i'm gonna walk out oh no no don't walk out we'll we'll go back to what we agreed on before and you're like well now you've lied to me so i don't trust you i'm leaving 
Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to walk away. You have, and I know so many people are afraid of being alone. They're afraid of all of that, but you should not be in a relationship that is going to be toxic, dangerous, yes. unhealthy, all of those things. And I think that romance novels can be a really good tool for showing like, if your partner can't communicate with you like this, then you shouldn't be with them. And it's also a really good tool to say, if this happens, don't stay. <laughs> yes, so. that's actually, that's a huge, good, good point. And actually very topical for the two of us, because we have a mutual friend who is mm-hmm. dealing with a, a situation. But it would be fantastic if romance novels were not just given to women, that they were given to men, that they had men in mind, you know, with some of their their stories their marketing because if you get men on board to understanding that the true lasting relationships are built on respect trust emotional security listening like all of these amazing things and communication being like top tier you know, then we would have less of these instances of abuse, misunderstandings that make no sense, people devolving into like horrible threats in order to make the other person stay, emotional yeah. manipulation, like these these horrible, horrible things that are going on in a lot of these relationships would not be a thing. They wouldn't have the power. That's That's very true. And it would allow us to recognize them, to call them out and be able to say, no, I'm better than this. I deserve better. And I think a part of that, a product of that is our societal view of like just being puritanical, having this foundation. We're, we're, we're prudes. There is scientific evidence to show that the more we cover up, the more things are taboo. So in a society where people regularly are topless, those things are not sexualized, but in a society where they tell you to cover up, even just glimpsing of an ankle can make you be viewed as a, a temptress. And yeah. in in relationships that that's similar, where they, they ne- don't necessarily have examples, positive examples, and the ones that get so widespread are often the really simplistic ones women in media as we were saying are not necessarily displayed in anything that's related to reality you and i were just talking about this with the reese witherspoon video where she talks about the what what do we do now i have never been in a situation where that has come out of my mouth except when i was talking to my parents when i was very young that is that is not when you yeah that's not a common conversation, but she was pointing out that there's so many moments in movies and shows where a woman is the helpless one waiting for the guy to save her. And she's like, what do we do now? And she specifically says in that video, what woman have you ever met in real life that has been faced with a situation so daunting that she has said, what do we do now? 
Never. You've never yeah. been faced. You've never seen a woman do that because a woman has a plan. <laughs> a woman knows what she's doing. And if she doesn't have a plan, she has a plan to find a plan. <laughs> I mean, there's there's ongoing tropes that, I mean, the, again, these aren't universal, but these are common tropes of the, the guy who doesn't know his kid's birthdays, doesn't know his kid's allergies, doesn't know his own social security number, doesn't know what meds he's on. He relies on because his wife. Because the woman has to. Yeah, the woman buys the buys the clothing, buys the meds, buys all of those. She their, has their financial information, mm-hmm. and she takes on the entire burden, the the emotional and mental load to keep things going. And there's a reason why statistics show that married men are happier and live longer than married women. <laughs> married, yeah, and then, that married men because... live happier longer than single men, and married women live less happily and and shorter than single women. Yeah. Just because the men make the money, but they don't do anything to manage it. And off, <laughs> they and, don't. <laughs> and and this day and age, men aren't the only ones making the money. A lot of the time, women are making equal or more. Mm-hmm. So, like those old traditions that we used to have that are romanticized, you know, the leave it to Beaver and all of those things. They the view of how the different roles the man comes home, yeah there's dinner on the table he's been given his slippers by his wife and a scotch in hand none of those pipe. things are really the norm and no. there's no shame if that's what you want to do if you if that makes you happy and fulfilled and you have a good partnership and you're living out those like little fantasies great but even when those things were being made those were a nostalgic fantasy not based on reality through rose colored lenses and the stories we have in romance novels often explore those tropes explore the opportunity for women to be in a more easily defined role than we have in our current society because right now we're doing everything. There's a lot out there. There's a lot. And everyone's confused. Everyone's just trying to make their way through this. But in these romance novels, you're fighting against a boundary. And it's so interesting how humans do this, where if you have infinite options, you can't decide. But if you are only given one path forward, you will forge your own if you dislike that path. And those are what I get with these books a lot of the time. They're just like, oh, we're limiting this thing. Like what you were saying with Shauna, not a good book overall, but she was not allowed to inherit because she was a single woman. Okay, find solutions, work around those. Having distinct challenges that you need to overcome and a clear ending is so satisfying in a world where it never ends. And even when you succeed and you have a success of some kind that you want to celebrate and you want to just like, this is amazing. You are just having to be ready for the next thing you have to do. There's there's actually, that's actually something that just triggered a really random memory. I remember in, I think high school, somebody, some teacher at some point said, there is a famous line, journeys end in lovers meeting. Yes. And that is such a lie, because in stories, the happy ending is when the couple finally accepts, you know, accepts that they are meant for each other and they get together. But their lives don't end 
as soon as they hook up. Yes. There's a whole nother like 50, 60, 70 years that they're going to be living potentially together, potentially not that they don't explore. And all of the whole, the whole wrap up at the end of the books and the ends of the movies or anything, they're great. But sometimes you need to have those, those stories that go beyond that. And there are some romance, some romance stories that are told about not finding new romance, but rediscovering the romance that you already have. Yep. Because and some... those are super important too. Yeah. Because it's a little more realistic that there can be circumstances when you're in a couple, you're a couple that overwhelm you and, the weirdest fact about this is romance novels get me to question things. Cause I, there's times when you're reading a romance novel and you're just like, Ooh, I am uncomfortable. Why am I uncomfortable? Why is this, why is this making me squicked out? I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And you, you read a little more and you're like, Oh, okay. I, I get that. I'm, um, my boyfriend who happens to be named Keegan found a book at his work in like a lending library called Keegan's lady. As soon as he saw the book in the lending library at his office, he was like, yeah, I, I need to snag that. I'm the only Keegan in this company and uh, no one else may have this. So he's held <laughs> onto it for quite a while and he finally gave it back, uh, gave it to me. And so I've been like, you know what? Sure. I'll read this. Just, I read the first couple chapters and I just, I get so infuriated when there's something that's like a, a true injustice that happens and this book starts with an injustice and I'm already up in arms and I'm only like eight, 18 pages into this book and I'm just like ah <laughs> this isn't fair and I'm going to keep reading it because I need to know what happens but that's one of those bits where like I could go through my whole day and not think about the numerous things that are going on in the world that are terrible and frustrating but then i will read a book and i will just sit there with frustrated tears in my eyes being like but he was innocent oh, <laughs> social awareness it. <sighs> why do we have to keep caring about things i think what the last thing that we're going to talk about Oof. is this yeah we're yeah. preparing for yeah, it yeah. where we are so speaking of romance and things that i don't count as romance like 50 shades of gray is this very popular evangelical book that has recently been turned into a movie, Redeeming Love. It has been being marketed like crazy as a romance. Yeah. Yeah. And it is not. It is a toxic, slut-shaming pile of poop. Purity culture bullshit. Yeah. And the movie may very well be well made, but the story is utter shit. This pious, holy guy asks God for a, not even for a wife. He wants something that's like, he, I don't know, it's basically be a wife, but it's, it's not even saying he wants the wife. He wants this person that he can have and, use and he's happy that he sees she's beautiful but she turns out to be a prostitute and this line has stuck out in my head since we watched that tiktok he's like why did you select a soiled dove 
to be my wife. Excuse me while I vomit violently. (laughs) So it's just an expression of that prosperity sex gospel. the, The whole thing of like abstinence can't have extramarital sex can't be promiscuous if you are the thing that we've been been seeing on tiktok a lot i don't know if you have but it's been like on every other video for me is the guy saying like oh if she's bringing to the table a used vagina oh god yeah sir yeah yeah (laughs) it's I mean, as like they they were always making those things about a lock that can be opened by any key, and I was like, "No, you are a pencil going into a pencil sharpener, and you're going yep. to be down to a nub." Like, no, <laughs> if we're going to be doing these object lessons, but this one is Betty a little... White. Betty White has always has may she rest. <laughs> oh. um, Betty White had the great the great line. When they would say, why do people say grow some balls? Balls are weak and sensitive. If you really want to get tough, grow a vagina. Those things really take a pounding. (laughs) She's so so iconic. So fantastic. And that is the perfect line. (laughs) It's so good. I just want to, you know. Pref- like talk about this whole thing with redeeming love as people are starting to like make it more popular my biggest concern and the same concern i had with 50 shades of gray is consent it oh. is it is the inequitable standing the fact that somebody has power over another person someone is removing options from the other and then using them i i believe that at one point she gets completely beaten up by uh, and, and just like brutalized to the point where she cannot work. And that's when he finally gets her to agree to get married. And he thinks that this was a godly thing that he he stuck it out and he helped her. And he's like, oh, well, she has an inability to receive love, but I will be with her because God has told me to be with her. And I will heal her through my magical holy penis. It's just, I yeah, I'm 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 reading it from Wikipedia. It says it is not until she is nearly beaten to death that she agrees to marry Michael and leave with him as he nurses her back to health. And the other point in this story that gets me is she caught his eye because she was lovely, but there were other pro- prostitutes and other people there, so. He picked her because she's beautiful and eye-catching and had to be his. Yeah, and had to be his. He had to own her. And they, what happens to the other women that were left and ignored? And they're like, oh, well, they're unredeemed because there's a fire at the brothel. And because she left and got married... She lives a happily ever after life while everyone else dies. Probably oh, horrible, horrible deaths, too. I'm like, what? And this is yeah. your romance novel? Yeah. It, it's, it has many bad lessons in it. Many bad representations. So many that it's hard to document. But... I find it fascinating that I've seen a lot of these ex-fundamentalist people who are deconstructing their faith 
revisiting this because it once was very popular in their circles and realizing how toxic it is and how pervasive it is and how much it reinforces these expectations of purity and being subservient to the will of your husband and through him supposedly the will of God. It's it's very romance in the sense of how men perceive romance than it yes. is how women perceive romance. It it's one hundred percent. It takes for a woman, it takes the romance out of romance. Yeah. It's like, oh I'm wooing you. No, you're not. I don't feel wooed. <laughs> yeah. I feel forced. I don't like this. Like it's it's like it's 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 an incel mentality. It's the I'm doing this for you. Yes, but I've asked you to stop. You should be grateful that I am doing this for you. I don't want you to do this for me. Please stop. And then at some point, very bad things happen. Yes. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's, oh God, it's the Urkel. The whole, I'm wearing you down. Oh, frustrating. I mean, that's rough. <laughs> that the, yeah. to hear, but you're, you're absolutely right. And that circles back to what you said earlier of like, oh, give him a chance. No, it's uh, just, I do not recommend that story. There's so many out there that are just trash. And I don't know why they end up getting so much mainstream attention, but. Clout almost. Yeah, it's not good. I just like, I, as I told you, I was just reading the Wikipedia and oh, the synopsis and everything of the plot. And my God. Yep. It is unbelievably disturbing. Like, she was sold into prostitution when she was eight years old. And when she's 18, her father unknowingly comes and sleeps with her. She knows, though. She knows who he is. He doesn't. And so she, she has sex with him to get back at him for mistreating her mother. Like, what? What? does this have to do with this is not a romance this is disgusting yep yep and that's somehow one of the more popular books and has a huge cult following and (laughs) cult following emphasis on (laughs) yes yes emphasis on cult it's a little uh, not a little it's, it's quite disturbing actually and it's interesting that this is something that is kind of an underground but accepted thing about this community you know there it's not something that is recommended by a pastor but it's something that women talk about all the time and they break break it down i have a a friend well more of an acquaintance who when i mentioned this story to her she's like oh yeah our women's group all sat and we read it and we talked about it. And, you know, there were some, you know, definitely troubling themes, but it challenged us the same way verses in the Bible do. I was like, what? And then I remembered that. How? Well, then, <laughs> well, then I remembered that there's a part in the Bible where Lot's daughters get him drunk to sleep with him. And apparently that's something that's normal and accepted. And so that I, they can have kids. So yeah. they can have kids. And I'm just like, that, huh, okay. There's there's a reason why this stuff doesn't resonate with me. I know that it does with other people and they find purpose in it. I don't. 
but I find the culture around it to be both interesting and terrifying. Yes. 100%. Yeah. yeah. But I, we got, we've covered so much ground where it comes to romance. We've we've talked about you know where it came from, but I think the main takeaway that I really want to have with this is that it is a valid form of literature. It is yeah. a interesting lens into women and empowerment you know feminism reclaiming sexuality all of those fun beautiful things and, and you can and you can be you can be satisfied with reading them and getting out of it what you want to get out of yes and and not have to deal with that whole horrible stigma on top of that it's a good thing to know when you're reading something, when it is a problematic storyline that should not be lauded as a good work of romance, and when you can point to one and say, this is actually something that is far better, yes. less problematic, more realistic and grounded. And the, I think that would be really, really great. The critical consumption of this media is the the piece that gets me critical thinking analysis, understanding context, and all of that is very important. The second takeaway I want to have is everyone should buy Kelly's books. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes of course. We need to get into... Just a little plug. <laughs> those wonderful romance stories um, that can get a little more steamy. They have a lot less of that whole uh, and the door closes next morning or the flames crackle and rise as outside the waves crash upon the shore. Symbol yes, there's no... There's I, I do not write clean romance. I do not write sweet romance. Yes. If you guys know what that that moniker entails. I write essentially I write erotic romance. Mm -hmm. So the stories they do have, as most do, happy endings. They context. <laughs> yes, they do. I didn't realize it when I said it. Um Pun. Not um, intended, but successful. Mm -hmm. Very successful. <laughs> yes. So it, the romance novels, they're great. I've got three of them available on Amazon right now under my pen name, Aurora Reese. You've got Ruby Lips and Dripping in Ruby are parts one and two of the Lostful Vampires trilogy. And then there is another book called Winter Break, which is the first of a anthology series that I have going on called Grades of Passion. My personal favorite. That I, I'm still trying to write the a couple others for that one, but then I got distracted by another series that we just we've been talking about for a little bit. It's exploded. Um, <laughs> it it really has. I've written so much, so much in just the last week, and I'm gonna keep on going. And it's already looking to be like an actual full-fledged novel, and it's gonna be a little less steamy. It's not gonna be what's considered my others, the erotic romance so yeah if you guys are interested in tales of spicy spicy romance some with vampire some with college kids you know like all above the age of consent like take a look it's on amazon they're available in paperback form they're available in kindle ebook form and they are available if you have kindle unlimited which we mentioned before it is a monthly subscription with kindle that allows you to read as many books at no extra cost as possible as you can 
a month. There so is a lot. Them. There's a lot of romance novels out there. So if you're going so for it, many. you will probably not run out and you will explore the many crazy niches of alien abduction vampire Amish people, Omega. Omegaverse, uh, CEOs <laughs> impregnating people. There's a lot oh, yeah. of different things. And you're just like, ah, how is this a niche? And then you find an author who's written 40 books in that same niche. And somehow each of them is still a different book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot of us out there. I try to write these so that I'm proud of them. They're not something that I just churn out and follow a template and, and just... It's not a Mad Libs romantic story. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I hope that we have helped with understanding and reclaiming romance as a genre and the tropes. It's definitely something that both of us are pretty passionate about. Don't know if you've noticed. Very. But thanks again for, for joining us on this most recent episode, Chronic Media Consumption. I hope that it gets you in the mood for Valentine's Day coming up. And... Uh, you have a little bit more inspiration if you need it there's a lot out there yeah and if you want to join our conversation you can follow us on twitter at chronic underscore media you can follow us on instagram at chronic underscore media pod or you can send us an email we would love to hear from you chronic media consumption at gmail.com you might get your topic put on the air or you can you know have comments discussion kelly and i both love chatting about this stuff so as you can tell we can talk about it for hours yeah yeah it's <laughs> it's great <laughs> that's why we turned it into a podcast otherwise we would yeah, just be doing we... this with each other and we wanted all of you to also enjoy our content yeah it, give us any kind of feedback you guys want like if you want another topic that you've been thinking about if you want us to expand on a different topic that we may have just barely touched the surface whatever you want give us a shout out will definitely be willing to listen so thank you again for joining us i'm still michelle i am still kelly thank you and bye-bye <laughs> <laughs> i love that every time <laughs>